the unknown was really the hardest part for me. If I could have seen in two years from now, you'll be a mom of a five month old or something like that. I think I could have <laughs> dealt with it and got through it mm -hmm. um, a lot easier. But knowing that God is bigger than all of our emotions, I really tried to sit in those emotions sometimes and know that God wants to walk in relationship with me and not shy away from, from drawing near to Him. Good morning, friends, and welcome to the Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast. This is your host, Brenda Yoder, and I'm excited to kick off season four. So if you were here for season three, you joined me and my co-host, Ingrid Lockemeyer for Front Porch Conversations. But Ingrid has her own podcast right now, so I encourage you to check out her podcast at IngridLockemeyer.com. And I'm continuing Front Porch Conversations with people who I not only admire, but whose stories have something encouraging to tell you. And everything is through the theme of life beyond the picket fence, that image that is not what you thought it would be when you get to a certain stage of life. And I'm excited to introduce my guest today, Andrea Miller. Hi, guys. Andrea, um, I have known you actually since your birth. Yes, that's probably true. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, Andrea is um, a former student of mine, but she is also the daughter of a very good friend of mine and has been a friend of my own children and um, have just really had the pleasure of seeing you grow up both in your family and at church. And we have journeyed together not only as um, teacher and student, but you invited me into your life when you were baptized um, as a mentor. And so um, it's been my privilege to be part of your life in that role over the last really couple of decades. Yeah. So I've invited Andrea here to share part of her story. And today we're going to center on disappointments. Andrea, let me just ask you to set the stage of when you were um, kind of that teenager thinking about what your life would be like in your 20s, what did you envision that looking like? Um, I actually envisioned it a lot differently than how it all kind of played out. Um, ironically, I remember in your class, we had to write down what we thought our life would look like five years, 10 years, and maybe 15 years later. And it definitely didn't take the path that it has. But um, looking back now, I'm really glad that I have gone through what I've went through um, because it's definitely brought me a lot closer to Christ. And um, it's really made me into the, the person that I am today. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to mention that Andrea is a nurse. Uh, why don't you share a little bit about your role as a nurse? So I am a nurse. I work in the ICU at a local hospital. And so we've been dealing with a lot of COVID patients mm -hmm. lately and a lot of non-COVID patients, traditional ICU patients also. So I work full-time as a nurse. Um, I'm a wife and I'm a mom to a boy and a girl. Yes. And Andrea has been one of those frontline workers that we've been cheering on over the last 
probably almost seven to eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been my privilege to watch you in that role too. And one of the reasons that I have asked Andrea to share her story is what I have seen in you over the years is a calm steadiness that really is not only rare in our culture, but I think especially rare among your age group. So Andrea, what were the first experiences of disappointment that you encountered as a young adult? Well, I think to kind of set the stage a little bit, um, probably when I was writing these answers to the questions that you had, I was already dating my husband. Um, We met when I was 15 and he was 17. So I was a freshman in high school and he was a junior in high school. So we went to his two proms together and we went to my two proms together. He was a little prommed out by the time that we were done, but um, he was a pretty good sport about it overall. So I think that looking into the future, I really expected that all-American dream that everyone wants. Um, Get married, have some kids right away, be financially stable, not deal with any of any hard hard life issues that that really happen to everyone at some point or another, but you just don't talk about them a lot sometimes. Yeah, I think especially with each other, and that's one reason why I have written the blog at Life Beyond the Picket Fence and have been committed to sharing stories that aren't picture perfect because that's really where we all live. And um, as you were just mentioning, stages of life tend to come with their own ideal image. When did your perfect image start kind of falling apart? Um, Well, let's see, to back up a little bit, I went to college for a total of five years. My husband and I ended up getting married after year two. Um, I was going for a Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree, and that's been said to be one of the hardest undergrad degrees to obtain. And so we had decided to kind of wait to grow our family. Um, and so we... I should um, just add that we are doing this live with a three-year-old and a five-year-old um, <laughs> in our area. So we are authentically taping this. And so if there are pauses in our conversation, um, it's usually just to um, busy the littles that are, that are around us. <laughs> Real life. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we had decided kind of to wait to grow our family until I was done with school. So about uh, two, three months before I was going to be graduating, um, we decided now's the perfect time. We felt we were ready. Um, again, that that storybook image kind of, um, it had been three years since we had gotten married, essentially. So that seemed really like the perfect time for our family to grow. Um, So we started trying to conceive naturally. And I graduated, I got my first nursing job. And just, it wasn't happening. Month after month, continuing to get negative pregnancy tests, and seemingly no no reason why. So we kind of tried um, some things ourselves, and then we decided to, to get some medical help. So about nine months into trying, we 
went ahead and I went to a doctor. We started, we did some tests. There was a time um, of shots, lab draws, pills for about another nine months. So this is at this point, probably 18 months into trying and there were hot flashes. There were bad times between the two of us and it just was not a fun, um, it wasn't a fun time at all. I really started wrestling with some questions. Um, is God mad at me? Am I not supposed to be a mom? And yet I have this deep desire on my heart. Maybe God doesn't think I'm going to be a good enough mom. Um, maybe, maybe I'm being tempted. Maybe I'm not believing hard enough. And so those were really a lot of the questions that, that started to come to mind that I was struggling with during this time. And I think those are really natural questions that um, not only do women wrestle with regarding infertility, but a lot of those um, dreams that we have that with all efforts applied aren't realized. What brought you comfort during that time? Or did you, did you talk to a lot of people about those questions or about your struggle with infertility? Um, it was very helpful to find friends who were dealing with similar experiences, whether that be through the inability to get pregnant or through miscarriages. I think infertility really draws you closer together as a community. So that was helpful for me. And then I also spent a lot of time in the Psalms crying out to God. As I was looking back through my journal during that time, um, Psalm 6-3 just kept coming back to me and I was just crying out to God, answer me when I call to you, God, give me relief from my distress, be merciful to me and hear my prayer. That's where I found a lot of comfort mm -hmm. as far as um, with my relationship with God, I sure. guess. And so what did you find out as a result from all of those tests and trials and things that were supposed to work? So at about the two year, so 18 months to two year mark, we went back to the doctor, we did some additional testing. And at that point we were given the diagnosis that naturally, aside from a miracle from God, which she's definitely capable of, but aside from that, my husband and I together would never biologically have children. Okay, and how did you respond to that? How did you handle that? That was a really hard time. Um, I definitely cried out to God. I didn't, I didn't know where we were going to go from here. Um, yeah, so that was, that was definitely a really hard time mm -hmm. for us as a couple together because we, we really wanted children. We had talked about having kids, you know, from the time we were dating in high school and I felt like I was supposed to be a mom one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't understand why God had laid this deep desire on my heart and wasn't bringing it to fruition. Right. So such a huge disappointment. And especially with a prognosis that doesn't have um, the desired outcome, even with, uh, with all the medical assistance that is available today. So um, where did you decide to go from there? And what did that journey look like? So it wasn't long. It was probably only 
really a couple months after we got that news that we decided to go the adoption route. And when we had been dating in high school, we actually had talked about having a couple biological children and adopting a couple children. And so it was kind of cool to see how God had a little bit readied our heart for this already. Um, so we met with an adoption agency. Uh, we started ha having fundraisers with friends and family because essentially you have to have kind of like a down payment um, type thing before they'll really fully be working with you. So that summer um, we were filling out all sorts of paperwork, going to all sorts of appointments, having these fundraisers, and over the course of six months, we finalized our home study and we, um, we paid this adoption agency about around $10,000. Mm -hmm. So you were getting excited, you have hope, you're doing all the things you're supposed to do. And $10,000 is a significant amount of money for a young couple to be able yeah. to um, save and and to be able to put towards an adoption. And I remember um, Andrea talking with you during that time and there were different options for adoption that kind of were on the radar. And, and I understand for many people I know who have adopted that um, it's, it's not a simple and easy process, but you had something happen in your adoption journey that really was another devastating disappointment. What happened? So we, during the time where we were getting licensed, it was actually very easy to be, I, easy, but it was easier to be hopeful because I had something tangible to do. I could complete the appointments. I could check off my to-do list. But again, during the waiting, that was the hard part. Mm -hmm. So we waited a year. We renewed our home study. Um, we really hadn't had any significant bites from birth moms. And about um, a year and a half into things, we were uh, notified by some family members that there was the potential to adopt a little boy who was currently in foster care in Colorado, and um, he needed a forever home. And to do that, we would have to become foster care licensed in the state of Indiana for him to transfer from foster care in Colorado to foster care here. And if you're not familiar, you know, you think, oh, you already have your home study done. That should be an easy process. But um, different agencies, it seems like they should work well together because it's essentially all the same information, but it just isn't like that. Um, we really had to go through all of that paperwork all over again that we had already done. Um, we're still waiting with our original adoption agency. And up to this point, our hearts really had been set on getting a baby from the hospital. I really wanted to go through all the life stages that you get to go through when you adopt a baby baby. Um, and our hearts were not really open to foster care at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but this was kind of the push from God that we needed. And so, like I said, we started the process of becoming foster care licensed and for about five to six months, we thought we were going to be the parents of this little boy living in Colorado. Um, and about 
five to six months into that process, now we had we had prayed for this little boy by name. We had sent him an Easter package in the mail. There was really no indication that this wasn't going to work out. Um, and so one day we suddenly got this phone call that said, basically, we're sorry, but you're not going to be able to adopt this little boy. Um, the agency out there had kind of decided that they were willing to adopt out to certain people, but we did not meet those qualifications that they were willing to do. And so that was another devastating, huge blow in our desire to become parents. Okay. And then soon after that, there was something tragic that happened with your, with your adoption agency that had kind of not contracted with, but we're working with, um, which I just think on top of everything else that was happening was, was another big devastating uh, experience. What happened with that? Our adoption agency that we were working with, um, I remember when I got the news exactly where I was, I was at work and you know, we can't really have our phones out at work. So I was in the bathroom, checked my phone really quick. I have an email that comes through from our adoption agency. So naturally I'm thinking it's good news. I wanna check it right away. And I see that our adoption agency is filing for bankruptcy. Mm. Not any type of answer that you thought you would have received at all along this journey. No, so that was another huge low. Um, we really, well, we didn't receive any of our money back. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't really have any assets to liquidate. And so there was no way for them to repay all the couples who were waiting and had already paid them their down payment. Right. And so here you've experienced the, the disappointment of not being able to physically conceive. You have experienced the disappointment of um, a child who you thought you would be able to adopt, and then the hope of putting a large amount of money, investing time and energy and finances into an adoption agency that then goes bankrupt. Where were you at at that point, and what did you struggle with, and what helped you? Um, I was at a pretty low point, honestly, then. I remember I was running a lot as kind of therapy during that year, and I would pray as I was running and I just started praying for God to break my heart for what breaks his heart. And there was a popular song at that time by need to breathe called multiplied. And some of the lyrics say, God of mercy, sweet love of mine. I have surrendered to your design. And I just prayed that God would allow me to surrender to his design to grow my family. Um, something else that we were also dealing with, um, it came to light that my brother-in-law and sister-in-law would be able to adopt this little boy who we thought that we were going to be able to adopt. And so my husband talked about it and the two of us as couples talked and they said, you know, if there's going to be any hard feelings, any animosity between our families, we don't want to do that. But absolutely, we felt like this was a very open door for them and a closed door for us. And so we told them we wanted them to go ahead with the adoption. 
if they could. And so it was very hard. Um, during that time, I remember the first weekend that he came to Indiana from Colorado, I just bawled and I didn't want to meet him, but gradually we came around. I came around. I prayed for my attitude to change and, um, he's now my nephew and I'm so thankful he has the perfect parents for him. What, uh, um, what a great example of your practical solutions. Um, Andrea, one thing that I just love hearing as you're sharing your story is how you kept going to God and his word. And even though God may have appeared to not be seeing you or to be answering your prayers, you ran after him and you pursued him. And I think that's such a key when life brings us big disappointments, even little disappointments. Um, you kept on going back to what you knew he had placed in your heart and yet you were open and teachable to God's design for your desire to have a family rather than your design. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite verses during that time and even currently uh, was Lamentations 3.32. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. And I wrote that on sticky notes and tacked that up all around my house. Um, I've since taken down most of those, but I do still have it um, in the one cupboard drawer uh, or in the cupboard door, I should say. I have that there as a reminder. Mm -hmm. We're actually going to stop at this point and kind of wrap up part one of our interview because part two has both highs and valleys to it also. And so we want everyone to stay tuned to part two that will release in a couple of weeks. But as we leave this part of our broadcast, Andrea, I, I have to think of the woman who, who doesn't know the answer to her questions or the end of her story, as you have just left us here at a place in your story where you were, um, were you discouraged? Tell me how you, you felt you, I know you had shared that you were really down and you struggled, but if you were to, if you were to really talk to that woman who, who doesn't really know how her story is going to, going to be resolved or even in the time frame, um, I just want you to talk to her a little bit with some encouragement of when you're in the middle of disappointment and heartache. I think that's true. Um, the unknown was really the hardest part for me. If I could have seen in two years from now, you'll be a mom of a five month old or something like that. I think I could have <laughs> dealt with it and got through it mm -hmm. um, a lot easier. But um, knowing that God is bigger than all of our emotions, I would say I definitely went through all of the stages of grief and that can be fluid. You can go back and forth through those. And still I do that sometimes today, but God is bigger than my anger. So I really tried to sit in those emotions sometimes and know that God wants to walk in relationship with me. Um, we learn in Genesis that Enoch um, walked in relationship with God and he's one of the only men that we see that didn't die mm. per se. And 
he he had that intimate relationship with God. And as I think of walking with a friend, you're walking side by side and you're talking about life's highs and lows and you're very open and honest about what's going on. God wants that kind of relationship with us. And I really tried to draw into that um, to not be scared to be angry with God because he's okay if we're angry with him sometimes. He can handle it. And to just be intimate with him, tell him all of my feelings, and not shy away from, from drawing near to him. I love that picture of relationship. And um, I think we know that God is with us when we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But um, that reminder that as we have intimate relationships with other people, whether they are um, partners or parents or children or friends, um, that being honest and comfortable and authentic in our feelings. And I like how you said that uh, God is big enough to handle our anger. And just even thinking of a recent conversation that I had with my own husband recently about being more open and honest about our feelings and being able to to experience the disappointment or anger that we may have towards the other person is part of growing that relationship. So we're going to wrap up right there. I just want to thank you so much, Andrea, for sharing this part of your story. Uh, and I think especially in our age of COVID right now, and this podcast will probably air right around the time of the upcoming election. And there's a lot of uncertainties I know that people have just about life in general. And in my lifetime, there has never been a time where we collectively don't know the future, not only of our personal lives, but even of, it seems like the, the broader picture that's out there. So um, we would encourage you to um, tune in to uh, part two of this interview with Andrea Miller, who is a mom, so that'll give you a foreshadow of the end of her story, <laughs> um, wife and nurse, um, but also um, just a woman uh, who exemplifies an authentic relationship with Christ that is steady and secure. And so uh, we want to encourage you to, to come back. And thank you, Andrea, for joining me here on our Front Porch conversations, even though we are hunkered down in my basement right now. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you join us for part two here at Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast. <laughs>